Welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Hey everybody, I'm your host James Kevin O'Connor, audio video artist, singer, songwriter, and master storyteller, and my guest today is Rick Bader. This man heals people, and he does it with music. He's a producer, he's extraordinary, he's from New York. Let's not waste any more time, let's get right into it. So strap up your seatbelts and let's go for a ride. So, hey, Rick, so good that you could join me today on the Dharmic Evolution. Welcome. I've been through your music, and I am captivated. Man, you got some really, really cool stuff. So welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you for having me. I am so thrilled to be here. I've been listening to all your episodes. They're all amazing. Oh, thanks, um, man. Thanks. Yeah, totally we've got some. Uh, yeah, we got some lucky. Uh, uh, got in, into some luck here with some of the people I've had on. It's been really, really fun for me. So, hey, listen. L- tell me from the beginning. Like you're doing, uh, you're doing a lot of spiritual work with your um, with your music, and you're. I can tell you're you're into yoga and the spiritual and the Eastern philosophies. Tell me, how did everything start for you as a musician? Before we even got into where you are right now, yeah, sure. can you take us back? Um, you know, growing up, like how did it all start for you? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of interesting. Like most musicians, I started young. Um, <laughs> my parents will tell you I was playing music since I was four. Um, I don't always remember those days from when I was four, but you know, I mean, there were days you know playing drums on like ten different phone books spread out on the floor, or you know, playing with a toy keyboard, or Whatever the case, um, it always started that way when I was young. There was an innate, you know, intuitive pull to music. Right. Um, but it, it, I took it, started taking it more seriously when I was maybe 10 or 11. Um, it's just, you know, the universe has its way of, of putting you on your path. And I was playing with friends around the block from my house who had an older brother who happened to be throwing out this old blue and white drum set and it was all in in a pile on the curb. And he looked at me and said, Hey, do you want that? Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. I took them home, had no real interest. Like I I didn't say, Hey, I want to be a drummer or anything. It just fell in my lap. Literally. Yeah, literally. (laughs) And it just, I set them up as best as I could at the time. I had no drumsticks. I had nothing. And one day I just grabbed a pair of spoons and I just started hitting them, and that was it. It was so history. it was it was junk drums and spoons from the house. Yeah, absolutely cool. <laughs> and, and I bet you were in heaven too. Yeah, I well, <laughs> the the funny part is, you know, I think most musicians turn to music or art or whatever as a form of exp- expression, obviously. But there's also this healing element for all of us when we're sad. We have an outlet to write a sad song that gets out things maybe we don't want to talk about or can't express in any other way. So I found that really fast that I was more interested in playing instruments when things were going on at a young age. So that was kind of my first intro to what music can do for people. And that's kind of what really drew me in. It wasn't so much, hey, I want to be this awesome drummer or this awesome piano player or something. It was more an outlet so emotionally you were, or mentally to get things out. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So you, you found that emotional connection very early. Yeah. 
And, and yeah. that was kind of the driving force for you? Yeah, definitely. Always. Hey, hey tell me about um, your home. Like, uh, you know, was anybody in your house connected to music, siblings, mom and dad? How, do, how was that all working? Not necessarily. Um, my immediate family, no one was really a musician, um, but they all loved music. So I grew up listening, you know, to the Beatles at two. My parents used to take me to Strawberry Fields when John Lennon passed away. And I was screaming, John Lennon lives out the window. And, right. you know, yeah. I grew up around great music and jazz and, you know, all types of great stuff, which while learning to play things obviously helped a bunch. Um, but, you know, there's ancestry lines where, you know, the Italian side of my family, a lot of them played, you know, accordion and guitar and sang. And on the other side of my family, there was a lot of people who played, none of which I ever got to meet, but it's there somewhere. So when you say you didn't get to meet them because um, they're on the other side. As they say right, in Italian. Exactly. Over on the exactly. other side. Cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. Exactly. Okay. All right. So you so you had all this influence. So it sounds like um from what you just described, it was a pretty eclectic background of music going on there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So um all right, so you're the drummer now. So when you started doing the drums, like you had all these different influences. What drove you to like what did you do in your early years before you arrived where you are now? As far as drums? Yeah, as far as drums and music in general, like were you playing out in bands, like as yeah, growing yeah. up, like, you know, how did it, how did it develop the path for you? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a couple of funny stories, and I think a lot of my experiences have all been some kind of God push or universal push on that path, um, where I really started getting serious with drums and playing in bands and doing all that. Um, I was about maybe 14. And it turns out, you know, I used to play in my basement and I was just, you know, rocking out, playing for hours. And this guy comes and he's calling, hey, hey, I had no idea who this guy was. And I come out and I thought I was going to get yelled at for bashing on the drums for five hours. And it turns out it's a neighbor from three houses down, an older man who was a drummer for, you know, 30, 40 years. He said, why don't you come over, you know, stop by my house. I'd like to talk to you. So I did. He gave me a gigantic stack of modern drummer magazines that went back to like, you know, the 70s and just said, here, take these home and read them and come back. And I did. I got so engulfed every night. I would read every single magazine about every possible drummer, every possible style of music. And I would go back and then he would teach me stuff and we'd watch, you know, drum instructional videos from, you know, Simon Phillips or you know, Billy Cobham and all these guys. And then that was it. I just I really wanted to do that. So that's when I started getting into bands and honing my skills and taking it more serious, which, you know, kind of I was fortunate enough where a lot of people I played with when I was 14 were twice my age. Right. So, so, oh wow! So you got you got a great education. You got your uh, your PhD from all the older guys, right? Uh, who were probably more evolved. But um, what do they say? The um, you know when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. So what a stroke of fate, right? This guy comes and he like <laughs> he befriends you and says, "Hey, I, I know this kid is like really interested in this stuff." I mean, what a great gesture, you know? Yeah, to, to, absolutely. Because you probably said, "Wow, this is like magic, man!" Like, like digging into those magazines, it was probably like an eye-opening experience. Oh yeah, I was a kid in a candy store, you know, just absorbing all this information at the time I had no idea of, or 
drummers I didn't know at the time. Everything was so fascinating. It was like, you know, it was like Disney World for, for right. a musician, you know, and I would yeah. go over and he'd be like, oh, you got to listen to this guy, Chick Corea. I'd be like, who's that? You know, and hearing, yeah. you know, Chick Corea for the first time. And it's so many great experiences. He, he really opened me up to, to a whole new world when I was young. So I was fortunate enough to get into a lot of more technical music at a young age, which, you know, obviously formed the path to me for me to get more into the technical side of things and odd measures and, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of really young, which, you know, developed kind of a, my own interesting way of playing right? as I was in that stage of learning. So it was kind of like the perfect combination. So, so when did the switch happen from, you know, you went from a student, um, somebody who was like soaking all this in, when did you decide, hey, I'm going to start creating like my own thing? What, what age were you when that started to happen for you? Probably about 15, 16, not shortly after that happened. Great. So it happened early for you. Yeah. So when yeah. you started writing, creating, um, like what what were you creating at the time? Like what what did you start with? Did you start with jazz, pop music, anything? Like how did it all start with that? For me, it was a, it was everything. Um, I would dabble with everything just out of excitement to explore stuff. So, I mean, I had like a Tascam four track in the basement. There were days where I'd have guys come over, we'd be playing prog rock, or I'd have a friend come over and we'd be attempting to play jazz or funk or whatever type of music at the time, you know, felt cool to play. So I have to ask you, was your Tascam 4-track reel-to-reel or cassette? It was a cassette. Yeah, I had the same one, the 144. Yep, and then the I had the 244. One, right? yep. And then uh-huh. I had, you know, uh-huh. those things were, you know, when it was like so, mar- it was the marvel of the age. Wow, man, I can do four tracks <laughs> on a cassette tape. This is, yeah. this is killer. Yeah. So, so you were creating in, in the basement like we all do. Yep. And, uh, and kind of finding your, your, your music zone, your chops, where you were going. So did you start taking this out live? Um, yeah. Okay, so you were playing out live. So let's get into the area of that you're in now, which is you're into kind of like this sp- spiritual healing and meditation, uh, meditative type of music. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I think throughout my journey in playing all these different types of music, you know, there was there's always kind of been a, a weird... I don't know. It's almost looked down on, like, you know, what we call new age music or stuff like that. Uh, because some of it can be a little cookie cutter or, you know, for lack of better words. Um, but it's not. You're misunderstood. It's, yeah, because yeah. in that, I look at it as a lot of that music falls under a world category. Right. And, and in a world category, there are no limits. Because it's the world. So you can play Indian classical tablas while playing, you know, synthesized arpeggios. You could do anything you want. Right. So, so, so you're finding the same struggle that many of us find is like genres and pigeonholing is a yeah. pain in the ass. For yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I understand that, that people need to like hang their hat on it and say, hey, w- what is it that you do? So I, I get all that. But at times for the artist, for the artistry, like somebody like yourself, you're doing something so different and unusual. It's really, you're kind of in your own genre. 
Yeah, and in essence, which which you know, for many of us that that are like that, um, can make it difficult as you try to grow in your career because you know you don't want to sell yourself out and conform to that because right. that's what's expected. Right. The best music is from the heart and it's honest. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly, exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so hey, listen, I want to play. Um, I want to play a little bit of, with your permission. Can I play a little bit of? Uh, Take me to the sea. What's that? Take uh, me to the it? sea. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I got the wrong title here. I got. <laughs> you know what? I want to play a little bit of uh, Astra. Oh, uh, Astra. Yeah. If, if that's okay with you. Of course. Yeah. Okay, man. playing the flute that is a friend uh vladimir krobostov from russia oh yeah this is cool <laughs> I was checking this out last night and it's like great meditative music. Thank you. Okay, so that's a little flavor of Rick and that is called Astra. You can check that out on SoundCloud and where can people buy your music? Uh, they can go right to my website which is uh, Prana Sound Studio, or anywhere else, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, all those outlets you could find okay. me. Okay, great. So you're all over the place. Yeah. Cool, cool. So so now tell us about, like, what do you do with this music? I know you've got all kinds of things. You're a, you're a Reiki master, is that correct? You practice I practice Reiki, Reiki yeah. Okay, so Reiki, and are you uh, also a... Um, a uh, yoga practitioner? Um, I dabble. I don't do it as much as I'd like, but yeah, um, I've kind of been taken more to Kundalini yoga lately. Okay. So I've been kind of exploring with with uh, Kundalini, which is a beautiful, beautiful practice. Um, opens up yeah. a lot of energy. So I haven't done it in a while, but yes, I'm also a, a, a practice practitioner of that as well um i've been doing yoga for about oh god over 10 years so i just think your your music would fit into that world so beautifully yeah definitely uh into the yoga thing so so tell me um where do you like you're a new yorker correct? yeah 
So where are you recording? Do you record in your own studio? Yeah. Is that where you put most of your... So can you give us a, a, a snapshot of what's going on in your studio? What kind gear of... Gear-wise? Kind of, yeah, gear-wise, yeah. what kind of studio is it? Um, you know, the home studio, the home setup is is modest. It's nothing crazy, um, but it's it's hybrid. So everything is recorded, you know, through an analog board, and then that goes into either Logic or Pro Tools, and then I mix it back on the analog board. Um, okay. That's how I was trained. It's kind of old school. When I went to school for audio engineering, you know, I was learning on SSL consoles and studio tape machines. So I can't, I have a problem mixing just in the box, so to speak. So, right. You know. So when you say mixing in the box, I mean, are you saying you have a problem with just being confined? Like, what, what do you mean by that well, exactly? As in recording 100% to a digital signal path. Okay. Um, not that digital's bad. I love digital just as much as analog. Um, they both have their own thing. But I, I find, you know, kind of when you record, when you're mixing, at least digitally, there's some elements, and it's an argue, you know, it's one of those topics where people could argue about for forever, but personally... There's something that happens in the analog world, obviously, that's very different from the digital world. Even if it's just a simple thing as noise or crosstalk on the, you know, from the channels, it adds this, you know, slight character that I'm just so accustomed to hearing. Right. So digital to me, mixing wise, can sound a bit on the too clean, too sterile side. Where analog gives you that little bit of warmth and kind of spatial spread and there's a bit more separation in the stereo field. So, you know, for especially for what I do, I like things to feel like you're inside the music. So I try to create as much of that spectral stuff happening as I can. So I feel um, analog is a little bit better for that. Well... It seems as though there is a shift going on because the more people I'm talking to these days, there is this huge gravitation towards going back to the analog medium. And you could see it with the amount of vinyl that's being put out oh, yeah. and produced. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of these younger bands have like embraced the idea of full spectrum sound and saying, wow, man, look what I was missing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, just like the MP3 has been... You know, the greatest, you know, it's been the greatest tool to perpetuate music, but it's been the, the worst curse for compromising fidelity and integrity of sound well, yeah. as, as well. You know what it is, too? I think it's the flip side of that is with the digital age is, you know, when it kind of hit the ground running and everybody was running to the digital stuff. You know, it's this whole world of new possibilities. We could chop this and edit this and time align everything and look at this. And and that's fine. You know, it's nice to have a new form of creativity, but that has also gotten abused over the years, mainly in pop music, where, you know, everybody's just doing less performance and less practice and more editing and chopping and cutting and pasting. So there's there's a balance that needs to be had, and I feel like the analog side kind of puts you in check, you know, because you're recording to tape or analog medium. What you hear is what you get for the most part. So 
you know, there's right. the old school engineers who weren't afraid to throw a mic in front of a bass drum, start compressing it and EQing it and recording it that way and committing right. to a sound on tape for the vibe and, and for the artistic expression of it. Where with digital, you kind of record it as is, and then you go in and you start messing with things a hundred times. And, you know, you have that, it's like a never ending thing that you just keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. Where analog, you're committing to something. So it's more of an artistic commitment in analog where you want to kind of get the sound that you're looking for right away. Where digital, right. the mindset is, I'll do it later. So. Yeah. In- well, that, that's the, I, I agree because the advantage of just. Hey, listen, we're here to we're here to perform, mm-hmm. and like it was all about performance in the late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like we didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the technology because there was only a limited amount of technology available. But you had really old, great gear, which you know I have a dear friend who owns a studio, and he's got all the classic mics, the uh, uh, the Neumanns, and you know yeah. the things that from 25, 35 years ago, which which are amazing. Oh, yeah. Hey, I want to play a little bit of uh, uh, the Mountains Peak. Can I play a little? Of course, for you? yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is another one. Um, Rick Bader here on SoundCloud. Check this out: the Mountains Peak. Sucker for water in the track. <laughs> I, I love that. I just love it. That's so cool. That is so cool. Can you tell us how you put that together, Rick? Um, well, that you know, that album is is more influenced on Reiki and, and energy. Um, so, and it's, the album is called Path of Light. Right. Correct. Okay. That album in particular is another mark in the journey. Where you know, prior to that album, the work was more a mix of you know musicianship and science and looking at the scientific or technical aspects of sound healing and how frequency relates to us and things like that. Um, where this, you know, I had grown in my personal spiritual practices and meditation. So this album wound up becoming more of an intuitive kind of channeled music where I would pray or meditate call on the Reiki energy and write the music with the Reiki energy kind of flowing through me and channeling that that specific vibration and literally recording with no preconceived anything and just playing. And that's how all of those songs were, were pretty much impromptu 
and as you how you hear them is pretty much exactly how it happened i would just you know pick a track pick a sound hit record close my eyes meditate and go and then i drum wind it meditate again pick another sound and just keep building and building so a lot of that is is one take passes for each instrument where it was just straight intuitive channeled energy and just going that's pretty amazing. So, so you're 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 channeling your own intuitive, uh, innate energy form into your music, like live on the fly. Yeah. So you're doing the same thing they were doing in the late '60s and '70s. Yeah, like I said right, earlier. Right. You're just basically saying, "I'm going for performance here." You know, the hell with all you know the bells and whistles. We can play with those later. Yeah. And and that's why you're getting the kind of vibes I believe that you're you're getting because this is really really cool. Well, yeah, I really. Yeah, I really like what you're doing here. Thank you. So, tell me, how are you? How are you going out into the world with your music to help people? Because I noticed, you know, in some of the things I've read about you, that you know, you're you're a spiritual healer, um, as such, with your music. How do you identify who you can heal, and how do you go about um, doing so? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a broad topic. Um, but the way I look at it personally is music at its simplest form is healing for anyone. You know, whether it be, you know, studies of playing classical music for babies in the womb or kids studying to classical music or, you know, somebody breaks up with their significant other and they're drawn to, you know, these love songs that maybe the lyrics give them insight into their situation. There's so right. many elements of music that, on a normal scale, heal people. So when you start looking at that stuff under a microscope and why it heals us, it's a whole new world. So there's a lot of information based on resonant frequency. You know, in essence, we're instruments. We're instruments yes. of the divine, right? We're all created a specific way with a specific purpose, and we all have our own energy around us and our own vibe. And, you know, sometimes we need to be tuned up like a guitar. Absolutely. And, you know, I like the story about, like you just said, about the child in the womb. Because when I was recording, I would come home to my uh, wife at the time and I would put my headphones on her stomach yeah. bef before my two sons were born. And they both came out really, really good kids. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> so, so it works. Well, of course. And we're, <laughs> our bodies are very tuned to, to sound you know the first thing we, right. we do in the womb is we hear we hear the heartbeat of the mother you know the, our experience with sound goes back to, to our creation as individuals so there's an element of music and, and vibration that always resonates with us um, everybody's definitely different and has a different thing they resonate to but when you go deeper um, you know we have a chakra system or an energetic system that governs our body. There's different organs and cells that could be broken down into frequency. Right. So when you start learning what these frequencies are and translating them to their corresponding notes, you could start creating music based around just a specific frequency to target a specific area of the body or the brain or vice versa. So that's what gets is incorporated there, with a lot of my music under under the surface 
Is there formal research done on this that, that you can say I'm targeting this area of the body or the spirit of the mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's oh, okay. tons and tons of research in probably hundreds of different areas. Um, one kind of uh, easy way to to look at some of this stuff, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of like binaural beats or entrainment. Right. Um, those have been studied for a very long time by scientists, by musicians and psychologists, all types of people. Um, you know, we have our brain states, alpha, beta, theta. And when you go to a hospital, let's say, and they hook up your heart to a, to a EKG or EEG or your brain, right. and you see those waves, you know, getting printed out across the screen or on a piece of paper, they're measured in hertz, which is yes. music, you know, hertz. Just like you know, it's so funny you mentioned. That. I just did that recently, and they and I said, "Yes, I have a pain here. It hurts." And they said, "Your EKG is the most confusing thing we've ever seen. We're going to keep you overnight." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was fine, but I said, "This is my life. I am an unusual, odd person. So why should my EKG be any different?" <laughs> so, so all of this ties back to music, which is which is just amazing that you've identified taking this and correlating you know, the, the health science with, with music and with, um, with vibrational study. I want to play this little, this little one. It's called, um, if, I, if I may, it's called Chakra on the Go. Yeah. Chakra on the Go, 10-minute uh, chakra meditation. Binaural beats. This is this is all you. Yes. Okay. Cool. So I notice your tracks are long, which I love yeah. because when you get in a zone, you know your average track is about you know anywhere from six to ten minutes, which is great uh, for this kind of music. I think I you know I think because I am a I am a uh, Kundalini uh, practitioner. I haven't done it in a while, as I said earlier, but. But, you know, getting into that zone, you need time. You don't want three minutes and 30 seconds, right. obviously. So tell me about that track. Um, you know, you had mentioned binaural beats we just talked about earlier. So can you expand on that a little of bit? Of course, yeah. Um, 
binaural beats are kind of an underlying thing. Um, the way that works is what you do with binaural beats is you want to kind of trigger and resonate and syncopate, you know, a brain state. So when you meditate and when you're relaxed, you're in a more, you know, theta or alpha brain state. And those brain states are measured in hertz. So right. if theta is 8 hertz, what you do with binaural beats is you take two frequencies, and most of the time they're sine waves. So, you know, like a complete beep, but very on the very, very, very low scale. So something like 8 hertz, you don't necessarily even hear. You know, we, right. the lowest we hear is 20 hertz. So it's almost inaudible, but you will feel it. You know, okay. vibratory, it's, it's like sitting on a subwoofer where, you know, if it's playing a super low note, it's there, you faintly hear it, but your whole body will vibrate. So okay. you're taking, you know, these low tones and you're going to put one in the left ear and one in the right ear. Now, the trick is whatever frequency you're, you're targeting, let's say it's 100 hertz, which isn't super low, but let's just say that 100 hertz would go into your left ear. And if your target is theta, which is 8 hertz, you would make the second tone in the right ear 108 hertz. So okay. your brain gets confused because those frequencies are so close that the, right. the waves actually kind of clash. And your brain... So it's almost like a dissonance. Or, right. A, a, you know. Right. On a like, kind of really tiny level right. where your brain is confused by that and it tries to figure out what's happening so what it actually resonates to is the difference between those notes so if that okay. difference is the eight hertz then you're targeting your brain to to pick up that eight hertz which is theta state so it starts to entrain your brain and kind of get you into that relaxed brain state just naturally by your brain pr trying to process these two signals in, in addition, in addition to this, I notice you you use a lot of different time signatures, which I like yeah. a lot too. You you gravitate towards I, I don't know I don't want to say you're biased towards the Eastern um, you know uh, paradigms of time signatures, but you, you're not afraid to go there, which I really like. Yeah, I mean that's really cool. That's probably the drummer in me <laughs> wanting to. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's good, man. Syncopated rhythms and yeah. and you know you know whatever you're doing, whatever whether you're doing uh, seven sixteen. There's a, there's yeah. a there's a guy I had on recently, uh, actually a friend, Colin O'Donohoe, who who stretches time. And I don't know if you had a chance to listen to. Well, his no, his interview isn't up yet, but it'll be up soon. You guys, I got to introduce yeah. it to you because you you'll really hit it off, man. Hey, um, so I want to ask you also. Like, give me a typical day, you know, in the life of uh, Rick Bader. What What do you, like, how is your day structured or isn't it structured? Like, give us a typical day of what your life is like these days. Yeah, it's it's not really structured. Um, because I am an independent artist, I do everything on my own. Right. So right. I market myself. I do my social medias. I write my own music. I record it. I mix it. I pretty much do everything. So a typical day is all over the place, you know, right? Like today right. we're doing an interview and it's this morning. So after this, it could be going to the studio, working on more songs and it could be mixing. Then it could be catching up with social media. Then it's, you know, talking to other artists and other projects. You know, I also produce other artists and mix for other artists. So I'm not always doing just my own 
music, but I'm working with other artists, or I have a radio show where I just do sound healing music and try to, you know, teach Great. people. What's your, um, what's your radio show? It's hosted on One World Music, which is based in the UK. Um, One World Music. Check that out, ladies and gentlemen. Can Is that an internet station? Yeah, or is, it's, you know, uh, oh, cool. it's oneworldmusic.co.uk. And if you go to shows, you know, I'll, I'll be in the list of shows. Um, you know, I try to do it as often as I can. I don't always have time, you know, to keep up with it on a regular regular schedule. Right. But, you know, it's just a forum to to speak about how music can help. You know, and and kind of that's really the the premise or the target is to help others doing the same type of music and get it out into the world more and make people more aware of the things you could do beyond just simply writing a song and how you may you know kind of incorporate the healing aspects of things into your music, whatever. So music that's a that so is. that's a great resource for people who are up and coming. Any other words of wisdom that you can give to? People who, you know, find your world so intriguing, they would love to get involved, get started. Any books, any, besides One World Music, the show, um, any words of uh, wisdom for the younger generation coming up and where their place is in music? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with today's world of music, a lot of people used to chase the financial aspect. And there's plenty of that to go around in ways that you may not, you know, most young people or whatever may not realize are available to them, especially now. I mean, there's streaming services, there's debates about that, but, you know, if you're an artist making a million dollars and you're complaining, you're not making enough off of streaming, I understand I could get that argument, but if you're an independent artist and you're trying to get your music out all over the world and be heard and get paid for it, even if it's a small amount of payment, it's more about getting out there. So right. there's so many resources that anyone right now can just get on their computer, make an account, do a little you know, research, and get their music out into the world without a record label. So right. it's really about, you know, that part is almost easy now. So it's really about honoring who you truly are as a musician and wanting to be different and staying with that. You know, you're, in essence, you're also a brand. Right. You know, so you have to kind of look at the artist aspects and balance it with the business aspects and market yourself, but market yourself truthfully. Because who right. you are is like no one else. And that is your selling point. So, you know, honing in and really focusing on the self as an artist, who you are, not being afraid to explore, take risks. And get out there is really what it's about because there's tons of great music out there that's just waiting for someone to discover it. Right, right. So listen, that that's that is great, great advice for so many people to hear that. Um, and you hit the nail on your head, which is on the head, which is <laughs> what the show is all about is uh, is who you are. And uh, that's what Dharmic Evolution is actually is actually here for is to appeal to that same point that you just covered. Absolutely. So I th I thank you for underscoring that. So tell me as we wrap up here, Rick, 
what is the best way for people to reach you, to have you um, help them out with their production, help them with their music, or just for people to visit uh, Rick Bader, where is the best place that we can find you? That's the home website, which is pranasoundstudio.com. Um, and through there, you'd find a bunch of other links, you know, where, I'll, where all the other places that I am on the web. Um, or on our Facebook page, which is the same, Prana Sound Studio. Or just, you okay. know, search uh, Rick Bader Sound Medium on Facebook and you'll you'll find me pretty quickly. Okay, and Rick Bader is spelled Rick B-A-T-Y-R. Correct. And Prana is P-R-A-N-A. Correct. Okay, so that's where we can find Rick. And Rick, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining me today on the Dharmic Evolution. I had a great time. Thank you. Uh, your music is awesome, man. You're thank out you. there making a difference, and you're doing for people, which is which is what this is all about in the end. How we inspire one another and man you inspired me today and i love your music I'm, thank you so I'm much been checking it out since last night and really going through your stuff and i really love it thank you so, so much. hey tell that guy to slow down or he's gonna get a ticket <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> so, so hey rick it was a pleasure man thanks for being a part of the dharmic evolution and i'm sure we'll be talking soon thank you what a cool dude he's out there making a difference one note at a time uh, wonderful musician, wonderful talent, and a wonderful person to boot. So happy to have Rick on the show. Hope you had a great time on the Dharmic Evolution today. I'm James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, and master storyteller. I'll catch you next time. I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Let's do it.